0: Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hello, hello. It is so good to be back with you. Today we're chatting food relationship. What does your relationship with food look like? I strongly believe that it shapes who we are in every area of our lives, and it's so important to take a moment and really address all aspects and influences in your own overall food relationship because it impacts your mental health, physical, and emotional well-being. Look, food is complex it's more than just nourishment. It's culture. It's joy. It's comfort. And it's it's everything. And sometimes food relationships can get a little just a little complicated or a bit negative. And in some cases, extremely negative. Now Today, I'm so happy to bring on a special guest, Javani, who is an eating disorder recovery coach, to share her insights about how to build a healthier relationship with food. What better time than now to talk about this? You don't have to be struggling with your food relationship to listen to today's episode. Actually, I encourage everyone to do so because, you know, we're all on different journeys. Giovanni Cobb has a passion for helping people to recover from eating disorders and body image issues. She provides eating disorder recovery coaching with a specialty in working with teens and adults struggling with anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, and body image issues. Before we jump right in, please take a moment to write a review and leave us a rating. I'll greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get into the conversation. Hey, Giovanni, welcome to the show.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we have um, a lot of great things to talk about today. I've been looking forward to this conversation with you for a long time. And so before we jump right in, tell us, our listeners, a little bit about yourself, your story, how you even got into doing this work in eating disorders.
1: So as a graduate, so I'm originally from Florida. I went to graduate school at Florida A&M University. I got my bachelor's in psychology from there. And then I went on to get a master's in mental health counseling. So as it was rounding out, almost done with my degree, they said, hey, Giovanni, internship time. I wanted to work with uh, alcoholism and addiction, more of substance use addiction and the internship site was full so they say we have a new opportunity for you it's an eating disorder site none of our students have ever been there uh, so you'd be the first student from our program there so I went I did about 10 hours a week initially and they were like well you may want to stay at this place because if you do then it'll be easier to get hours you've already built rapport so I literally interned with the same organization for a year Um, learned so much. I think my clinical supervisor really opened up the door for me. She really pushed me. I mean, I ran groups. I did individual therapy. I mean, just basically running an IOP program on my own and really learning from her. And ever since then, I've been working with eating disorders. They hired me to work with that organization after I finished school. So I was like, I guess I did a good job. They, they want to <laughs> hire me. They were like, and then I relocated, but they even were like, hey, if you come back, you have a job. Um, so I really just, if I find something new, I really just want to learn. And I started doing research of among people in my community and presenting it to other students in my graduate program. And they were interested because no one had ever really touched eating disorders before. And I was like, this is something my community is interested in. It impacts them. I mean, I was supposed to be doing a 15 minute presentation and I promise you, I took up the entire graduate <laughs> class. Like my professor's <laughs> like, okay, let us sit down. She's still <laughs> asking, answering questions. So I felt like it was a need for me to stay with the population. And I've been with them with them ever since.
0: I love that. You kind of just fell into this world and it was just meant to be. That's what it sounds like on my end. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can't, I'm done fighting. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: So, um, I thought this conversation was important. Number one, because I, you know, I, I kind of, I, I breathe and live women's health. I've been doing this kind of work for a number of years now. I was, you know, I talk about so many different conditions, but I, I found that Women just have well, majority of women have um some underlying issues and challenges around food and their body. And even my experience as a, a dietitian seeing patients, we will be talking about like something totally different. Then I realized, um, maybe there's some there could be, you know, an eating disorder like under you know, just underlying yeah. that we we don't know about. And I had to learn how to even get to the point of, of screening. Um, now, anyway, the national eating disorders association cites that 20 million women will have an eating disorder during their lifetime. Like that's, that's a lot. What are your, what are your initial thoughts on this stat? Why are women more likely to have an eating disorder?
1: And I've actually experienced this statistic. So, mm-hmm. like, specifically working with eating disorders, I remember reading an article as a graduate student while I was in IOP working in an intensive outpatient, and it said 90% of all women struggle with a body image issue. Mm-hmm. May not be to the point of an eating disorder that impacts their health and well being, but I've definitely experienced working with a large group of women. I think the reason why we don't really talk about it or so stigmatized. It's because number one, our, the larger culture, which is diet culture mm-hmm. embraces this. I think if you are, I tell my clients, if you are a college student, if you are a high school student, if you get on social media, if you watch TV, mm-hmm. you are going to be exposed to diet culture and that culture says be something other than what you are. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you have the smallest body, a medium size, but larger body that means you should be something other than that. And that is why most women experience that because we, you know, it's just like, I'm not rooted in myself yet. And diet culture catches you in that teenage realm. Most of the time, uh, statistically eating disorders are diagnosed in adolescence. So if I'm an adolescent and I'm a teenager, I don't really know myself. I can be influenced by that dominant culture.
0: Mm. And it just goes back to like why I wanted to bring this conversation to this show. I mean, like we already established i mean so many so many women experience this and so many are silent about it especially women of color like as a black woman a Ghanaian woman this is not something people want to bring up there's just so much sti- or so much stigma and it's almost like a shame um and we think it's like a white woman's thing which is not the case and just to kind of share a little bit about my story actually growing up i had my own body image challenges at a at a young age um at 8 years old just 8 years old i remember being with my mom we were visiting my doctor i stepped on a scale and the doctor told me i was obese and that i needed to lose weight and after that interaction i think that was like the beginning of me having body image challenges and growing up i just always thought like something was wrong with my body I was in an environment where I was always like the larger body size compared to some of my peers. Um, My peers were white, super skinny, very thin. Um, I had all the curves, et cetera. I developed breasts early. You know, fast forward (laughs) years later, I found myself over exercising. I would literally stay in the gym for like four hours doing cardio, not nourishing my body as I should, eating a lot less than I needed to be eating. And I wanted to look like everyone else around me. Um, I felt like I was already, you know, always like the oddball, oddball out being the only black girl in my class. And I wanted to do everything I could just to blend in. And I thought that was a definition of healthy. And I wanted to, you know, I, I definitely lost that weight. I got from like a size, like 10, 12 to like a four. Um, but, yeah. Years later, I'm, I'm totally healed. I I'm happy. Um, I'm on the other side now and, you know, where I'm not as vulnerable as I was, um, at the time. And it's, it's been a journey for me, which I've, like I said, I've healed from. And, and I know I'm not the only one who has experienced this. Um, and so if you're listening and you grew up having body image challenges, which have kind of carried, um, with you, you know, throughout your adulthood, I want you to know, like, there's so many other people out there going through the same thing and it's okay to also, also speak up. Um, but Giovanni, <laughs> I know that was like a lot. I mean, but I'm sure you hear. Oh, thank you so much for like sharing that. Like this all the time.
1: So much. That has been so much of the work of my experience when, you know, my first doctor's appointment and I was able to, you know, really digest what they were saying. They were telling me that I was overweight Mm -hmm. and an adolescent doesn't know what to do with that information besides go to diet culture, go to the internet, think that their body is wrong and your body is not wrong. It's Mm -hmm. yours. And maybe that physician doesn't know your background, your culture, your genetics that play into all of this, because we know that the BMI is very much outdated the bmi was created by a mathematician and (laughs) not a nutritionist not a physician so just utilizing that as the catalyst to tell someone that they're obese and they don't know and not give you instructions not give you information about what that meant and what to do was it's so harmful i see it so much
0: so harmful so dangerous now there are different types of eating disorders bulimia versus anorexia binge eating can you break down just like briefly what all of these mean
1: okay so one of the most common ones that people see or like if they think eating disorders they're going to think anorexia anorexia is based basically restrictive eating if you restrict to a point where you are underweight and it has impacted your health and well-being then you are you have an eating disorder, anorexia. However, another caveat to that is that you don't always have to be in a smaller body to be diagnosed with anorexia. Let me clear that up. Mm-hmm. Bulimia is binge eating coupled with compensatory behaviors like purging like Mm -hmm. fasting and like over exercising so i'm eating maybe a large amount of food in a small period of time i'm feeling uncomfortable but as a result of that i am going to purge purge is throwing up Mm -hmm. or i'm going to fast meaning i'm not going to eat for extended periods of time or i am going to overly exercise because i have to compensate for that food that i ate now binge eating is is bulimia without the compensatory behavior binging is i've eaten an extreme amount of food in a short period of time i am very physically uncomfortable and there's a period of guilt and shame that goes with that as well as bulimia guilt and shame happens after those episodes as well
0: okay top signs you have an eating disorder
1: top signs I have an eating disorder is that I struggle in my relationship with food. Mm. I struggle in my relationship with my body image. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that there is like disordered eating versus eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I want to know, we need to break it. We need you to break that down too. (laughs)
1: Um, Uh, we think of disordered eating. Disordered eating is the label. Disordered eating is the verb that goes along with what I do. Eating disorder is the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm struggling with disordered eating, but I don't meet the criteria to be diagnosed with an eating disorder. That doesn't mean that I can't sit in front of a therapist, a coach, or a dietitian because maybe I need some work on my uh, relationship with food. And eating disorder is, I have full-blown met the criteria for this diagnosis, and they really can't, my behaviors fit into the diagnostic criteria. Disordered eating, my behaviors don't typically fit into the diagnostic criteria. Mm-hmm. However, they have created a, a new diagnosis. Um, it's eating disorder not specified. And that typically goes for people who don't really, they, their eating disorder sways both ways. They struggle more with disordered eating than being able to fall into the category of bulimia, binge eating, or anorexia. But
0: e- But disordered eating, Disordered eating can lead to an eating disorder, correct? Yes, ma'am.
1: Okay. Yes, ma'am. And it's, it's really about catching it at a certain time. I, I tell clients a lot of people struggle with disordered eating, but their their patterns have not impacted their health and well-being in a medical way and in a, a, an extreme mental health way. Yet. Yes yet <laughs> because I hate to if you do say don't that. get and and thankfully in this coaching space I am able to help a lot of people who just struggle with disorder eating they mm-hmm. haven't yet met mm-hmm. the criteria um, to be diagnosed but they're saying hey I know I have a problem and I need to work on my relationship with food and body image
0: wow guys so much already <laughs> Okay. So let's chat eating disorder and um, women's health issues. So one is HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea. And that comes up quite often. I see that in practice and it happens when women lose their periods from restrictive eating, under eating, over exercising. Um, So (laughs) do you see this often in practice?
1: I see this so often and it really frustrates me because these Women that I have seen have gone to a medical doctor before Mm. and no one has asked them about their eating behaviors. I've had a client who specifically had to undergo fertility treatment, but prior to that had not had a period for years because of her restrictive eating. Doctor never said, what are your eating behaviors instead of let's go ahead and do some fertility treatment? Because maybe if I just prepared my relationship with food, I may not have needed those fertility treatment. But we see this so much. We specifically see this a lot with our teenage population, with our 13-year-old population. Mm-hmm. When parents say, when the child says, hey, mom, I haven't gotten my period, let's go to the doctor. Let's run labs. Those labs typically tell us that this child may be struggling with an eating disorder because then you may come back with low heart rate. You may, you may come back with other health issues that are related to eating, but it came out in you not having a menstrual cycle
0: ladies your super restrictive diet could be a reason why you lost your period it's that's just yeah. it's true and it happens like so much um but i i like that you mentioned i mean doctors just need to kind of we're going to get to that but anyway okay let's talk about pcos Polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's a super complex condition. There's an imbalance in your sex hormones and there can be like physical symptoms that appear like, you know, excess facial hair, excessive weight gain, et cetera. According to some of the latest research, women with PCOS are actually four times more likely to have disordered eating patterns and, and a negative body image. The thing is PCOS patients are often advised to lose weight through dieting to better control their insulin resistance, et cetera. But as a woman's health dietitian, I know this is very poor advice could be so harmful because number one like I said, PCOS is just very complex. Not all women with PCOS have insulin resistant or even need to lose weight. So I can see how there's like a four times, you know, more likely, um, for, you know, people with PCOS to develop an eating disorder. Now, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I have worked with clients who who struggle with this. I currently have a client who came to me because she's like, I'm so tired of medical professionals telling mm. me that I need to lose weight as a result of this diagnosis. And it has just been so harmful to her because she's just feels so lost. There's nowhere she can go. And I think a part of it is really understanding that we have to begin to educate our physicians on Mm -hmm. what it looks like for clients to struggle with these things. Because not only am I, am I saying, Hey, I'm struggling with hormones. I'm struggling with hair growth in different places. So I already have a body image issue, but then you also couple that with my physician saying, well, you need to lose weight as the solution to all of this. So it just makes the problem um, even worse.
0: Gosh. And honestly, just doctors generally are are so into prescribing weight loss as a cure to literally everything and it happens far too often just actually a few weeks ago i came across a washington post article i'm not sure if you saw it giovanni but there was this um white woman she went to the doctor several times for uncomfortable symptoms like pain etc the doctor dismissed her several times and just told her oh just you know lose weight um typically you know if you're like in a larger body size and you hear that advice from doctors But in her case, she wasn't in a larger body size. She ended up going to another doctor. She got a scan and they came to find out she had ovarian cancer. It's been like everywhere in the media. Like how heartbreaking is that? That's crazy.
1: That is just so, and and I tell clients, like I have so much compassion for their experiences because when I worked in intensive outpatient, I mean, we literally used to have clients like Our clients who are going to see specialists or physicians just for their regular visit are calling us in the car in tears, saying like, I'm triggered. I'm going to just engage in my behaviors because my doctor is saying that I need to lose weight. So they are right. This is the end all be all right now. And I think we just just have to learn to educate them and understand that they are operating from diet culture as well. And weight loss is not the end all be all. Losing weight does not make you healthy. No. It's not the marker of health. It's not the pillar of health.
0: Absolutely not. And it's just sad that it, I mean, it, it can serve as a barrier from for people even wanting to visit a doctor because it's like, well, they're yeah. not going to take me seriously. They're just going to tell me to lose weight. So why do I have to go? You know? It's I mean, I had crazy.
1: that same experience when I went to the doctor last year and I was like, please don't let this doctor tell me. They, they, oh they, they said that I was on the verge of having um pre i was going to be pre-diabetic if you know if i didn't change some mm-hmm. things and i said please do not let this doctor prescribe uh weight loss because i i have the education to go back and forth however she was like no i no, i see so many clients with eating disorders i'm never gonna prescribe that oh wow and she just It was just such a great experience. And I'm like, I hope this is just who she genuinely is because she did see, uh, you know, she didn't know my profession based on my um, paperwork, Uh, but she just was so awesome. And she even asked for my information so that I can help her clientele. So I was just happy that I didn't have to have that on that experience myself,
0: man. I feel like that's a whole nother podcast.
1: <laughs> Anxiety Seriously. about going to medical professional. I'm
0: sure you guys listening. I I'm sure you have had your own experiences going to a healthcare provider, and they told you just lose weight and you'll be fine. <laughs> like insane. So switching gears a little bit, it's been a very difficult time for many people during this pandemic. I um, can't believe we're still in one, but body changes, lots of stress, emotional eating. So we just had a special guest come on to the podcast, Dr. Ross, to talk um, all about how to break the cycle of emotional eating. Do you think as a result, um, with all these things kind of going on now, more and more people be at risk for disordered eating or eating disorders?
1: I think both. I think they, you know, looking at the research, it is definitely trending in that direction. A lot of people are home, a lot of people aren't being able to engage socially, and people are turning to the internet which is filled with diet culture and social media. And they are thinking, they are defining themselves by what they see online instead of really tapping into more, you know, educational resources. So I always recommend people, you know, listen to podcasts like this, follow more body positive people, more haze aligned Instagram accounts, um, because you following that person who only posts before and after pictures is only going to make you feel less about yourself because Mm -hmm. you're comparing. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm, (sighs) mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like, um, like all last year and I haven't had many of that this year, but last year, like I had a lot of, um, you know, people coming in to seek a dietitian and a lot of, um, guilt around their, their weight gain. Do you have any like tips for maybe someone like, how do you kind of, um, manage these body changes, especially like with the weight gain? Cause that's something that a lot of people have been, um, experiencing
1: the first step is really being compassionate with yourself and really Mm -hmm. understanding the situation that we are all living in. I think understanding that this is, this is what happens. Our bodies do change and our bodies can change in spaces where we're not really mentally well. And if our body has changed, the best thing that we can do is just be compassionate with ourselves about our experience. Continue to talk positive to yourself. Continue to tell yourself those affirmations, even if you, even on days you don't believe it, keep saying it (laughs) because that is going to help you get through that transition and get you because negativity doesn't breed positivity Mm -hmm. it doesn't breed that so we have to take it basically one day at a time I tell clients to really tap into your values and the things that are most important to you because weight loss and body image are typically not in someone's value system Mm -hmm. and if we tap into the things that are in our value system we spend less time thinking about weight and body image and that'll give us time to accumulate more positive experiences
0: I love that um, what you mentioned that our bodies um, aren't meant to stay the same. Like they're constantly changing. That's what it does. Our our high school body, I know some of y'all out there listening, still dreaming about the high school body that you had years ago, but it's meant to change our, you know, hormone fluctuations, um, health conditions sometimes may, you know, impact just how your body is. Pregnancy, postpartum. I mean, lots, I mean, just, it's always constantly changing but like, what is, I love that you also mentioned compassion, like just having compassion for your, for yourself. Um, so this kind of brings me to my next question is the goal to be body positive. What does that actually mean? Is it okay if you're neutral, do you have to love it? Like, are we all like on this journey to love our bodies?
1: Specifically for the population that I work with, I always have them, they're laughing in session because I say, listen, you won't hear me talk about body love in this space because body love is a thousand miles down the road. Mm -hmm. I think, can we go from neutrality? Can we talk body respect? Can we talk body appreciation um, before we get to those other terms? Um, Because I think people believe that it's this or that. Either I hate my body or I love my body, not Mm -hmm. thinking like maybe my body image changes day to day based on the perception that I have of myself and I could just have compassion for my experience because maybe I saw a diet commercial this morning and that that made me think so maybe I'm more neutral today than I am positive Mm -hmm. and I think we can we can experience all of those things we do experience all of those things from day to day, from hour to hour, but it's not one thing versus the other. And I don't think I think we all can work our hardest to pursue body positivity, mm. but I think we want to definitely start in a more neutral and in a more appreciative and a more uh respectful place. So there's a um a body image spectrum that I utilize and it goes from body hate all the way to body liberation. And mm. we use we, we utilize that tool from uh a nutrition, nutritional office called courage to nourish. And they, you know, that spectrum helps clients to understand that they don't have to utilize black and white thinking to think about body image. I don't have to Mm. be positive or negative. I could just, I could just show body respect today. I could just Mm -hmm. give my body what it needs, even if I don't like it. And then I can move towards acceptance or neutrality or appreciation. I don't have to, it it doesn't have to be either, or, you know, this or that.
0: Are there any, like, activities that you do with your clients that maybe the the listeners can kind of take away and um, implement it in their everyday life?
1: Yeah, one, one of the things that I do with my clients in terms of body image is we look at a values assessment. And one of the major questions that I ask in that values assessment, and I uh, specifically for clients struggling with negative, negative body image, I say, Do you treat people differently or judge them based on the size of their body? And they'll say, No. And then I'll say, Well, why do you do it to yourself? Because that is a part of your value not to judge people based on their body image. So if that is your value, that is also your worldview. So why can't can't you utilize your worldview towards yourself and mm-hmm. really looking at the things that are most important to us because body image does not typically fall into that most mm-hmm. people don't hold body image at the top of their values family friendships community health and well-being and typically within that value system with anybody's value system body image is not typically on there so I I ask clients to write down a list of your values write down the things of you know the things that are most important to you and if body image is not there then we have to find a way to shift our focus towards those things but also ask yourself the questions about judgment and negative self-talk would you talk to your friends how you talk to yourself Mm. would you judge your friends bodies based on how you judge your body or Would you have compassion for their experience? Turn that same language toward yourself.
0: I love that. That's really nice. Um, And I always hear like keeping a, a, I mean, if that's your thing, like keeping a journal and writing like nice things about your body or, you know, maybe it's, yeah, just like writing your goals about your body. Like one day I want to feel this way about it or, you know, kind of working um, towards that. I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. now going back to diet culture, let's talk about it for a little bit. (laughs) Three things you hate about diet culture.
1: Dieting. (laughs) Statistically (laughs) diets don't work. (laughs) Dieting. Uh, the, the idea that everybody has to have a small body, a small Mm -hmm. body is the only acceptable body. And that, um, the dominant, well, I wouldn't even say the dominant culture, but just, uh, weight loss is health. Yeah. A small body equals healthy body. I think those are the main three things. So dieting, uh, small body and small body is a healthy body are the three things I hate about diet culture.
0: That's yeah. Those are, those are ones that I hear all the time. (laughs) Like for me, it's the whole like, um, guilt-free, like calling a food, like, um, like guilt-free or it's bad or you know it's this is a good food or kind of yeah like all this judgment like judgment around like um food or like you know I'm having a cheat day like I hate (laughs) that's the one I like truly hate oh gosh (laughs) I just it's I'm like let me think about what else like there's just so much out here
1: yeah I, I, I can't tell you how many times a day I say food is food (laughs) We don't, we don't have to label it because when you label something junk food and then you eat it, what do you think about yourself?
0: Yeah. It's crazy. And and the whole, like, I feel fat. (laughs) It's fat. Is fat a feeling? It's actually, it's it's a description, you know, it's not a feeling.
1: I say, what are you actually feeling? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. So how, I guess, what are your, um, some tips on just building a healthy relationship with food? when do you actually need to seek help like when does somebody need to come to you if they're
1: if they feel if they feel like their relationship with food is if, if they're struggling with something called dis, disordered eating you don't have to have a diagnosis to meet with a um, eating disorder recovery coach so mm-hmm. there that window opens up opportunities for us to see many people at different stages of their struggle so if you feel like my relationship with food is negative it's I'm struggling with food I can't figure out what to eat or I eat less or I eat too you know I'm eating more than I should you know things like that and eat, I shouldn't say should <laughs> but if you if your relationships are in any of these places if you're struggling with disordered eating if you're struggling with restrictive eating if you're struggling with overeating to the point where you feel sick those are times where you want to reach out Um, to someone for help, even if you don't have a diagnosis, you do not need a diagnosis to meet with a nutritionist or a recovery coach.
0: Okay, great. Now your top three tips on just building a healthy relationship with with food and your body.
1: Uh, the first tip is stop labeling food. One of the core principles of intuitive eating says, let's take the morality and judgment out of eating. So if we stop labeling food, we'd probably have a better relationship. Um, if we stop utilizing negative self-talk toward our bodies, mm-hmm. we'd have a better body image. And I think the third thing is to redefine health. One of the first exercises that I have with clients is to ask them define health, not from Webster's dictionary, Mm -hmm. not from what your doctor told you, but define health based on your own definition. And most of the time that encapsulates mental health, physical health. And through that definition, you utilize that definition to set healthy goals for yourself.
0: Love those tips so much and so practical. Like that's something anybody yeah. can kind of do, like on their own. That's really, really. great. Um, we did this kind of earlier, but like I just feel like we need just uh, one or two minutes, just like debunking the myth that eating disorders only appear in women of smaller body sizes. Can we just just take one minute just to do that?
1: <laughs> eating disorders appear in all body sizes. Um, there's no set diagnosis for certain body sizes. Eating disorders appear in every single body size. Please stop saying that because my I don't look like I have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. That 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 statement just takes me back every mm-hmm. time. Um, because that person is the person that doesn't pursue health. That person is the person that doesn't go talk to a professional, even though they're struggling um, with disordered eating or struggling with their relationship with food and body image because they say that they don't look like they have an eating disorder. If you feel that that relationship needs some work, go talk to someone Mm -hmm. because your body size doesn't determine the help that you need. And most people who work with eating disorders who are hazeline will not turn you away because you don't quote unquote look like the client that struggles with anorexia or binge eating or bulimia.
0: So you said Haze and can you tell us what that is? Um, Break Uh, it down for the listeners.
1: Haze is health at every size. If you are a haze-aligned Haze professional, that means that you will not come to that professional and that professional tells you that your body is wrong or your body, you need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Typically, a haze-aligned person means that you can pursue health no matter what size your body is. Your body size is a healthy body size because that is that goes back to the myth of only a small body is healthy. So when we think of haze-aligned, we, we think of health being at every size on the continuum
0: one thing I hate, um, I really truly hate is that when people think about dietitians, they immediately, um, equate just dietitians to weight loss. And I'm like, it's, it's something I hear all the time. Like, I'll have like my aunties come to me, hey, like help me lose weight. Like, or just people on, you know, random people like, hey, you're a dietitian. Like, can you give me a weight loss plan? I'm like, like, I focus on PCOS, high cholesterol. I focus on diabetes. Like, there's so many other health conditions that we're using nutrition to just help prevent or manage, you know, whatever condition that is. And it's really annoying. It's really irritating. I actually think no matter what a dietitian specializes in specifically, I think it's just important to assess, you know, someone's relationship with food. As I mentioned, it impacts like all areas of your life. So no matter what, I think that needs to be addressed. And the approach is really individualized at the end of the day based on so many things, you know. Um, but yeah, that food relationship needs to really be addressed. But I think sometimes, too, like people are scared to just seek out a dietitian because they they feel like they'll get judged. You know, you know, you can come to me and we're focusing on so many other like important areas of your health. Like we could talk about your labs. We are looking at, you know, your, your mood. We're talking about your, the cycle, you know, your your menstrual cycle. There's just so many factors of health.
1: Number one thing that, and and specifically in everything you just said, the one thing that I tell clients like across the board, when they go seek a nutritionist or a dietitian, please seek dietary education specifically if you already struggle with disorder eating because really their job right now is to debunk all the myths that you yeah. believe from diet <laughs> culture That's so great. they have so much more to offer than telling you to lose weight than to help you with your relationship with food educate yes. you on what you think food is going to do to you because most people you know who struggle with disorder eating, eating struggle with believing that food is just not their friend it is harmful for their bodies and really a dietitian is going to educate you outside of that thought process
0: yeah Whew. and then we also do have the rds that specifically focus on you know, intuitive eating or specializing in in eating disorders. So if you are really, um, struggling with your relationship with food, looking to see a, a dietitian, um, definitely make sure they're specialized in that area. Um, but Giovanni, do you have any, like, what are some good resources out there for anyone? Just like, if they wanted to learn more about this kind of stuff.
1: Uh, the National Eating Disorder Associate, say, Association website the need we call it short term we call it NEDA mm-hmm. uh Jennifer's book the eating the, the inside scoop on eating disorder recovery i think the book is such a practical place because not only is she giving you education but she her and the young lady she wrote the co-wrote the book with are giving us more um personal experience. And that kind of helps because a lot of people try to align themselves with with clinicians who have a history of a needed disorder who are in recovery. So mm-hmm. just looking for resources from, from people who are aligned, um, checking the NIDA website, and maybe looking for people who have the same history as you, because maybe you want a clinician that you can share that experience with.
0: Yeah, there's nothing better than that, like connection, that genuine connection. When you know like, oh yeah, she's also been through what, what I'm going through and I can get to where she is. That's yeah. like so encouraging and empowering. So what do you want to say to someone out there who is on a journey to healing their relationship with food and their body?
1: I want to tell you that be patient with yourself and trust the process. Trust that tomorrow is not today. And that although you are, you may be struggling or in a place of struggle, that doesn't mean that this is going to be something that it is defined, defines your entire life. I think a lot of people feel like because they've been in their disorder eating or their eating disorder for so many years, that means that they have to stick with it. You do not have to stick with it. You can decide to change because you are literally surviving there's a place in life where you can actually live. You can wake up to, to enjoy the day and not think about food and body image every day because there's so much more to life besides those things.
0: That was beautiful. I have nothing else to (laughs) add on top of that. Like that was so well said. And you just shared so much information, so much good information, just helpful, practical tips. Thank you so much for just being so open and sharing your experiences as well. So this is um, one question that we like to ask all our guests on the show, and that is, how do you flourish?
1: How do I flourish? I flourish by being authentic to who I am. I know that there are so many things in the world that tell tells us that who we are is not enough, but I flourish by just being authentic to me, honoring myself, honoring the things that I love, who I want to be, who I am, and sticking with that because I see that it has taken me really far.
0: <sighs> Amazing. Okay, you guys heard it from Giovanni. She gave you all the gems today. And I'll be um, linking her information in the show notes so you can keep up with her and Jennifer's team. Thank you so much, Giovanni, for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. This was so helpful for so many people.
1: Thank you so much. I really love this platform. And I started to follow you guys and have been sharing you guys this information. So please, I will be sending people your way.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, have a good one. We'll we'll have to have you back on. I feel like there's just so much in this topic to talk talk about. about. (laughs) Exactly. This was just like a lighter, like overview of everything. So you guys listening, we will definitely make sure we connect again to kind of focus on like a certain area of like, you know, body image and, you know, relationship with food.
1: Yes, because the summertime is peak season of oh. body image. So if, I, <laughs> if we can have this conversation when the sun is hotter,
0: yeah, and
1: Ooh. the day is hotter, it never ends. All right, Giovanni, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys inviting me on.
0: What a fantastic episode. If you enjoyed today's chat with Giovanni on building a positive food relationship, please, please do me a big favor and leave a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate it. Share with a friend or someone you know that needs to listen. All right. Thank you once again for being here with me today. And until next time, keep flourishing.